Welcome, welcome, welcome to the QC Hornet's Nest, a podcast powered by the Charlotte Observer. I'm your host and resident beat writer, Rod Boone. And each week, we have the latest buzz, news, and nuggets on the Charlotte Hornets. I'll be telling you stories other shows won't and giving you inside access other shows can't. This week, I'm joined by Del Curry. He offers his take on what has impressed him most about the Hornets this season, what they must improve on in the second half of the season, his impressions of Montrez Harrell, and more. So are you ready? Okay, let's go. Let's get it. Well, we finally reached the All-Star break, which seemed like it took forever to get here. And as I wrote a couple of days ago, to me, the Hornets, they couldn't get here fast enough for these guys. They really banged up in terms of injuries. Um, obviously, guys were out with protocols a lot this year, and they played a lot of minutes of late, the starters have. And I think guys are just getting a little bit worn down, not only just so much physically, but really mentally. Like the last couple of games have been mentally exhausting for them. They had two overtime losses, one in double overtime to end the quote unquote first half of their season going to the all-star break. Two very difficult defeats in Minnesota where they left numerous points on the board, made numerous mistakes at the end of the first half to basically give the Timberwolves some free points and free free throws. Um, same thing in the second half, a couple of plays that came back to haunt them, goaltending, et cetera. And then when they played, you know, a, a, the final game against the Miami Heat, you know, to blow a double-digit, I believe, 14-point fourth-quarter lead. And even though the, the officials made a mistake and, and blew that game by awarding Kyle Lowry a three-pointer, even though it was clearly a two-pointer, a replay showed, and for those who follow the story, you see after the game, I was able to ask the officials about it as a pool reporter, but neither here nor there. The Hornets had several opportunities to win that game, and they didn't. So although that loss against the Heat to end the first half, quote-unquote, of the season, um, going through the All-Star break was essentially uh, tough because, again, the referees didn't do many favors it's the Hornets have looked themselves in the mirror after that game, as well as the last two weeks, the way they've played of late. Going into this All-Star break, they have lost nine of their last 10 games. Nine of the last 10 games. One and nine in their last 10. I mean, just think about that. This is a team that was rolling. They were a game and change away from sixth place and seventh for the most part of late January, you know, all that. And then all of a sudden, they hit a really dry, rough stretch here that kind of coincided a little bit after Gordon Haywood went out with health and safety protocols, and then um, he came back for a couple of games, then they still weren't playing overly well, but then he got hurt, and they haven't been playing well since. So it's one of those things for the Hornets where the All-Star break, to me, couldn't come soon enough for these guys because they just need a break ASAP. There's no way that you can't tell me they're not mentally drained with at one point, um, playing the most games of any team in the NBA, playing the most road games of any team in the NBA, and having to deal with a variety of issues that include, again, like everybody else, protocols and guys out with COVID, but not having wing players available, you know, uh, the last couple of weeks has really hurt them. You know, but Gordon going out, um, Cody Martin, uh, the top defender, not being able to play, and same thing with 
Jalen McDaniels. You know, those guys are key pieces. They may not be, you know, obviously Gordon's a really key piece. Cody, Jalen McDaniels may not be, you know, these these great names per se to, to everybody else out there. But if you're a Hornets fan, you know how much those guys mean to this team. And they've definitely missed them of late. So it's been a really rough stretch for the All-Star, going to the All-Star break for Hornets. And they don't have to just turn things around tremendously when they come back out. They're going to have 22 games left. We'll get that to a little bit later and I look ahead. But just as you look at just what's going on the last few weeks here, the Hornets, you know, although they got a little bit of a boost with the Montrez Harold trade, that's the only win they've picked up during this span was their blowout win over the Pistons, you know, on the road. So they have to regroup, recharge, and just gather themselves going to the second half of the season because these 22 games are going to be a serious sprint toward the end. And the way they've been playing of late, they're not going to be able to afford any mistakes, any losing streaks. They want to be able to get to the playoffs, period, but even make the play-in tournament at this rate. They got to pick it up big time in the second half of the season, and uh, we'll see exactly how that goes and what happens there. All right, I'm joined by Mr. Dell Curry. Thanks for your time, sir. I appreciate it today. Um, just first, all-star game, sorry, all-star break's pretty much here. So how would you assess the team in the first half of the year? What's impressed you most, and what concerns you, if anything, going in the second half of the season? Uh, obviously, their offense has really impressed me um, for the most part in their, their three-point um, percentage the way they've been able to knock down threes. That, that's the biggest thing, how quickly their offense progressed. Um, Kelly off the bench has been great. But obviously the, the elephant in the room is still the defense. They've got, they've got to sort sort that out because when their offense goes dry, um, it's it's really tough for them to win games, especially against good teams uh, that defend at a high rate. Um, so, yeah, you know, very um, pleasantly surprised at, at their re- road record so early in the season, uh, able to build that cushion uh, to go through stretches like you're in right now. But I think after the break, you, you got you to come out with a different mindset to know that you got to defend a, a better if you want to get to the playoffs. Yeah, how do you do that? Is that more about just want to as a scheme? Like as somebody who played in the league, what is it? How do you improve your defense when you kind of are what you are at this point in the season? I think the Hornets, have, they have talented guys. Uh, we see how talented they are on the offensive end. And so that can equate defensively as well. Um, I think you just have to take it upon yourself to be more locked in, um, challenge yourself more on the defensive end. Um, don't gamble. Know the schemes that of, of the offense, uh, of your opponent, um, and, and just have that will, that want to, 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 to play better on that end of the floor, knowing – it could make or break your season and the goals that you set forward. So um, I think it's just a will, um, a challenge that you have to uh, put forward to yourself. I think the schemes are fine. Um, I, don't, I don't see anything that is complicated on, on the defensive end, uh, but you just have to, to play better individually. When you uh, look at LaMelo Ball, his growth in the second year, um, what jumps out at you the most, if anything? Um, his... I think obviously the creativity is there. Um, his his shooting was be- was better than, than people thought last year. I think it's improved a little bit this year. His range, um, 
obviously he still has room to grow on the defensive end, as we just talked about the entire team. Um, that's that's probably the biggest area in this game where he's, where he's got to grow. But just his, um, I think, will to get better, not just say, all right, rookie of the year, I can play the game. He's still got, a, you know, things he can work on. I'm not trying to hit the home run every play offensively. Uh, but you have to take the good and bad with those. Most of the time he hits it. Um, it's just when he does it, I mean, it. Uh, sometimes it's not the, the perfect time in the game to try to do that. So he, he's got to learn a little bit how to manage the game, especially when it's a tight game and value that possession. Um, but just his overall growth, I think he's gotten stronger. His, his ability to finish around the rim. Uh, has really improved. How can going to the All-Star game help him improve, if at all? We know an All-Star game is mostly exhibition and guys are having fun, but can he pick up some knowledge from guys there and maybe some tips, if anything, from some of the veteran players there? I hope so. I think he's going to have to, to ask and seek that out. I don't think any of those All-Stars will give him any openly advice because <laughs> he's an All-Star as well. But um, he's got great confidence. But just to – it's a different mindset when you go into a locker room and know you're one of the 24 best in the league. Um, and the coaches and the commissioner um, think you are as well. Um, so just the mindset that, that the All-Stars have. Um, everybody in this league is confident, a little ego, has a little ego, but those guys know how to balance the confidence um, and the, the competitive spirit. So, you know, hopefully he'll go there um, – Appreciate um, his work um, because it's the only way he got there. He's good enough to he's good enough to be there. Deserved to be there. Um, but also, yes, yeah, his first time there. Take in everything and watch. I think he can learn a lot, a lot just by watching um, the other All Stars. Montrez Harold been here for about a week or so with the team. What have you seen from him so far? What has he brought to this team that was missing, if, if anything? He's brought a toughness, a spirit. Um, he's he's boisterous. He's vocal. Uh, he's loud in a good sense. Uh, he has a fight, determination to want to wanna win, and that never-give-up attitude. I think the team had that, but every team needs a guy in their locker room, whether it's a starter coming off the bench of his mentality. Um, it's not going to back down from anybody. It brings that competitive spirit um, every single night when, when maybe you're not playing your best or you don't have the energy. Um, he, he's going to bring that out of you. He's going to challenge everybody in that room. Um, so I, I think he's a wonderful addition, especially this time of the year when you're, you know, you've, you've played, you've got 22 games coming out of the break. Um, hopefully we get healthy, get some guys back, but you're still going to feel that fatigue. You need a guy like that, that that can help you fight through that. You mentioned getting healthy. That's part of the Hornets issue right now is not enough bodies. I mean, guys are playing a lot of minutes. After the break, if they're able to get Cody Martin back, you know, McDaniels back, and who knows, probably a month or so still from Gordon. But is that probably the biggest thing that maybe you look to the second half, I guess 22 games left, is just, just getting healthy and figuring out just how they can be a whole team out there? Because they haven't been a whole team, seem like, for more than a game or two all year. Yeah, it's been the last couple of years have been really tough for coaches and organizations to keep their whole team together with health and safety and injuries from playing so many games so fast. But absolutely, you, you gotta you gotta get some guys healthy. You gotta get some guys back in shape, um, in rhythm, because twenty two games is not a lot, and you need to make up ground. You can't afford to lose any more ground. Um, so, I mean, it's going to take everybody playing their, their best to get where you want to go, um, and that means the injured guys that are coming back. So they're gonna have to hopefully play well early, um, because every team of these. Looking at, looking at the same thing. You've got 22, 20 games, what have you. 
they're thinking the same thing. We got to get everybody back playing healthy. Um, hopefully, you know, we get in that top six spot where you can get a couple of days, not not you know, get that playing game. That playing game, you, you're going to expend a lot of energy, uh, whether you're here or on the road, trying to get to the playoffs. But you're, if you're six or better, um, you can relax a little bit, knowing that hey, we can we can save save our energy for that first round. I was going to ask you about that. That's actually my last question for the Hornets' perspective. Is just what do you see them doing the last? 27 games, can they get to six? Can they get to seven? And toward, in order to get there, what must happen for them? I think they can get there. Uh, you know, you, obviously you got to win games. Um, you, you, you know, six game losing streak, you won one and you lose two more. That that cannot happen. You don't have enough games to make that the, that kind of ground up. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, right there, a game or two out of six, you lose, you know, six in a row, you're still in ninth. Um, but you've got other teams, Atlanta teams that are, that are playing well, um, wanting to, to get in that sixth spot. So I'm, you should love the competition. You should love uh, the challenge of, of, of doing that. Um, love that, you know, you got 20 games and, and a lot of teams, you know, several teams are, are out of it, not a lot to play for. You, you have a lot to play for. So that should be a, a motivational tool for you individually and, and your team as well. Um, but it, it's it's going to be tough. I, you, you still have time to get it done, but you got to play better. Well, it's getting warmer outside, I think, which I know for you means more mm-hmm. golf, right? Yeah. So, so first of all, man, just golf-wise, who was the toughest player you've ever played against, NBA player? And um, how much do you guys as players look forward to those days on the golf course to talk a little bit trash about something else other than basketball? Oh, I love playing uh, in the summertime. That's, that keeps the competitive <laughs> juices rolling. Uh, my son's the toughest NBA player I've ever played against in the golf course. Um, play against him all the time. I've gotten him a couple times, but he, he's a stick. He's a good player. Um, I played a couple times the last couple of days here in Charlotte. It's been really nice, and I hadn't played since December 18th, uh, since we were out in Phoenix. Uh, I played at the TPC where the waste management uh, just had the the PGA tournament. It was cool playing with the, the stands were up, and it was cool doing that. But um, now the weather's turned and we're home and it seems like we're home with some good weather. I'll get back up. My, my index is a two, but I'm not playing with like a two right now, which could help my index go up. But um, it shows that I, I, you can't take six weeks off and then pick the clubs up and think you're going to, you know, shoot in the 70s. Uh, I told myself today when I walked off the court, I'm not playing again until I get a range session in. So uh, 50, 57, almost 58. The body doesn't work like it used to. Uh, the hand-eye coordination takes a little time when you, when you talk about golf. The short game is what goes when you don't play. Uh, so the chipping and putting has got to get got to come around. Can you uh, explain? You mentioned your son being better than you, man. Did you teach him or he learned on his own? Like, how did he get that good? Yeah. Um, so when I, I was learning the game, uh, when they were old enough to learn, so um, I would cut off a putter and, and me and my buddies would play. They'd stay behind half a hole putting around the green when they were, you know, seven or eight. Got some lessons, um, so they started way early. I didn't start playing until I was 26. I didn't know what golf was when I grew up. Them get, getting a club in their hands at, at 7, 8, 9 and getting some lessons. Um, introduced them to the game, taught them the etiquette of the game, and they just fell in love with it. Um, Seth's a good golfer as well. He's improved his game uh, every single summer. Uh, played his best golf um, in the bubble and right after the bubble. Um, but uh, So Steph's probably a plus one or two. Seth's probably a, a eight right now. Um, he went from 12 to an eight in about a month. 
but we have good times. We're already talking about our golf trip. We take two golf trips a summer. We're already talking about where we're going this year for one of, one of our golf trips. So that's that's uh, that's fun time as a dad to be able to still um, play something that we really love that we can be competitive with and that we can um, say tell the, the, their 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 family we're going on a boys trip for golf and they got a free pass. <laughs> Well, that's great. Just the last thing you mentioned, you mentioned Seth. I mean, obviously he got traded to Brooklyn. Yeah. Just what was your reaction to that? And just how do you think he's going to fit in there with a new team? Well, I, I think in talking to him before that, I think we both knew that if um, that Brooklyn really wanted him, he was a vital part of that, that deal to make that deal happen. And, and it was almost like we're not going to do it unless he's involved. His, his value, his contract value and his value on the court uh, is too big. Um so yeah, he he, he loved Philly. He, I'm sure he'd, he'd like to see how far they could have gotten this year, um, you know, um, playing there. But he likes uh, his team in Brooklyn as well. Uh, talked to him since he's been there. He likes the he likes the locker room, the attitude, and he thinks you know they have a viable chance of winning the East when everybody gets healthy. Uh, we'll see what happens with with the uh, vaccine mandate. Um, with with Kyrie, what happens there? But he thinks if everybody's healthy on the floor, they've got a chance to win the East. Hey, I know you're a busy guy, man. So thanks for some time. Dale. Absolutely, appreciate it, man. no problem. My God, appreciate you, man. Yeah. That's Del Curry, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks very much for having us me today. Appreciate it. Well, thanks to Dell for joining me this week. I really appreciate his time and him giving me some perspective on his thoughts on the Hornets and what they've done so far the first part of the season, what they have to be able to improve on going to the second half or last 22 games, I should say, to be able to finish this thing out and be able to get to the playoffs the way they hope to. So many thanks to Dell for joining me. All right, looking ahead now for the Hornets. When they come out of the All-Star break, they, once again, are going to have some games at home, but they begin with the game against the Raptors. And as we saw before, the Raptors, <laughs> you know, have had the number this year. Um, so that's going to be a very important game for them because the Raptors are ahead of them in the standings. And at this point, the only way to be able to climb back into it is going to be able to beat the teams that are ahead of you and hope that you get a little bit of help per se. So they come out with the Raptors first at home on Friday and then follow up on Sunday with a game against the Pistons. That's a game, again, a game you have to win, especially because it's the first part of a back-to-back where they go to Milwaukee the following night to play the Bucks, And they have obviously beaten the Bucks two times this season. They lost on Giannis' buzzer beater in Milwaukee last time they played there early on um, in the season. So the Bucks are going to be well aware of what the Hornets can do. So that's not going to be a game they can just go in there and just steal. And then after that, they go to play Cleveland, a team that we know um, took them down to the wire. And essentially, you know, if you want to break it down, maybe that Cavs shouldn't have technically won that game. Although, you know, both play, both teams benefited from the gaff by the officials. But again, that's not going to be a gimme game because the Cavs are one of the best teams right now in the East. They made a trade to get Karis LeVert. So that's not going to, um, you know, uh, that's one of the things that's going to show the teams and the Cavaliers' mind that they're serious players. They're going to try to go out there and make a serious run um, in the playoffs, if possible. So the Hornets have their hands cut out for them, obviously. I know we're cut out for them in that one um, because the Cavaliers just give them fits. Jared Allen had career highs, you know, rebounds and stuff last time when they played a couple weeks ago here. So, you know, it's going to be very important for the Hornets to find a way to, to steal at least one of those two games on the road. But then when they come back home, they play the Spurs. So, essentially, the Hornets 
have to get it going here over the first part of their schedule coming out of the All-Star break. Otherwise, they're going to really be in trouble moving forward. Time for this week's random factoid. And usually, you know, when it comes to the mellow ball stats, you know, most people aren't surprised anymore. But I think this one still, to me, kind of shows just where he's at. And not only his growth, but just where he's at in the Hornets franchise ascension and where he can be all time when it's all said and done. So, all right. So LaMelo was able to drop another triple-double and the Hornets lost to the Heat to end, um, you know, their, their schedule going to the All-Star break. And, you know, LaMelo had 14 points, 14 assists, and 10 rebounds. He now has the most triple-doubles in a season in franchise history, passing Anthony Mason. So those five that LaMelo has already have topped with Anthony Mason, who, you know, by the way, was a great Nick for those people who follow the Knicks back in the late, the early 90s. He, Anthony Mason had four triple doubles for the Hornets in a single season. And that season was 1996. 97. So to repeat, LaMelo Ball already has five triple doubles this season after getting 14 points, 14 rebounds, excuse me, 14 points, 14 assists, and 10 rebounds in their loss to the Heat. That's the most triple doubles in a season in franchise history, which passes Anthony Mason, who had four in 96, 97. So once again, to me, that shows just where LaMelo Ball is taking this team. And as long as he kind of can continue to improve and do the things that um, he needs to be able to do to become an even better player, then the Hornets have something special to build around for sure. Well, so there you have it. Thanks so much for joining me this week on the latest episode of QC Hornets Nest. I'm Rod Boone. For more Hornets content, check out charlotteobserver.com and for a special sub offer to gain access, click the link in my stories where it says support my work with a digital subscription. All right, until next time, we out.